Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Zero Podcast. Look out. With your hosts, Bridget, <laughs> Buddy, James, Thomas, Carl James. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is proudly sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Get 25% off and free shipping by using the code ZERO at Establishment Coffee. Zero twenty-five. Twenty-five.com.uk. <laughs> 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 uh, what have you been up to, guys? Well, James, <laughs> you may believe this, you may not. Twice in a row, I've gone for a run. Bullshit. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Bullshit. <Went laughs> for no, like, I'm, ex- I'm fucking stoked. <laughs> went for a run yesterday. Went for a run today. Did you really? Yeah, not by choice. It was raining. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me and Buddy got caught in the rain twice. <laughs> both of us get really upset when it rains. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I could... Like I could feel my brain smashing against my skull with every step. <laughs> and every time it happened, I was getting more and more concussed. <laughs> so I don't know how you do it. Like, uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, I ha- obviously haven't run for a very long time. And I d- it's not like I didn't go for a run. I ran in the rain until I couldn't run anymore. So about <laughs> 70 meters. <laughs> but like, I don't know, the in- when you're heavier than you you were last time you ran, the impact is shocking. Yeah, I've I've been there as well where I've got back into running and I'm like, even just like two kilos makes the biggest difference. Mm. Your ankles get all inflamed. It's a, it's not a good time. Well, every kilo I think is two PSI on your knees. Really? Every kilo of body weight is an extra two pounds per square inch of pressure on your knees. Far out. Like it's a, it's a shocking amount of extra pressure the heavier you are. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, what have you guys been up to? Tom bro? Tom running bro? Seven? <laughs> Dying and working. That's it. Nice. CJ. Um, yeah, the same. Just, just um, yeah. N- minus the dying. <laughs> but yeah, you just working. You hit 120 for three on your bench. Yes, yes. I saw that. That's right. Is 120 your PB? I've done, I did 125 at New Year's Eve. That's right. Um, but I've never repped out 120. Which is insane. So, Fuck yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that was in. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's You've wild. just all of a sudden started benching. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still remember when you we had am- the bet. Yeah, and you am wrapped a mm. hundred. Like, and that was like a hundred for like eight. Yeah, something. Yeah, I did eight. Was that like a little breakthrough moment for you mentally as well? You're like, oh, I can actually bench. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was both. I think all that volume paid off. Um, not just because it made me stronger, but when you're doing the movement so much, you get better at benching. I think the putting the weight aside, I got good at the skill. Um, because yeah, when like back in those days, every set was different. Like my setup was different and one set would feel great. Other set would feel like ass. Like, whereas now I feel like I'm good at it. Well, it doesn't feel as shit. So good. <laughs> so, Consistency. Yeah. CJ is now Coops Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh my gosh. What about you guys? Nothing. Very lazy public holiday off yesterday. Good. Yeah. Good. Just training, deloading this week. Nice. And watching lots of movies, as nice. usual. What'd you watch? Um, watch that 
everything everywhere all at once. Oh, was that any good? So it's good. all right, but it like it it's I think it was inspired by the Matrix because there's a lot of Matrix vibes in it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about UCJ. I got a bit lost. It's a bit. It. It's out there. Mm. Whoever wrote it, they're just. That was a completely independent film. Yeah, and didn't it? It won like a ton of Oscars, right? Yeah, it won like seven Oscars. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It won so many Oscars, and like the. Um, uh, special effects team, they won heaps of awards and they were just literally like college dropouts. Yeah, wow. And like six of them on computers that Because the special that. effects were really cool. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So much like on par with, well, probably I would say better than what Disney's putting out at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just wild, like a completely independent t- team. That that script was actually originally written for Jackie Chan. Really? Oh, yeah. Because you know, I recognise the guy straight away. That short round from the Indiana Jones yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. little guy, yeah. He's, he just stopped acting for 20 years yeah, or whatever. Yeah, insane. And then was thinking about coming back. So these independent guys just picked him up. Yeah, and he's exactly the same. He hasn't changed at nah, all since Indiana Jones. Not at Jones. all. Um, I, th- this, this has kind of made me lose faith a little bit in, in Declan. Because he, like... He's been putting out some pretty good movie reviews mm. that I'm yeah. on board with. But then he said that movie wasn't very good. But then last night he said that John, John Wick, Wick was, was good. And I know, James, you're a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've, I haven't heard one good thing about John Wick 4 yet. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't think it was that great. I think we just saw it. Yeah, and I didn't think it was that good. See, I thought it was hectic. I've got a little brain that doesn't need much stimulation. So yeah. There's lots of action. It just need boom, boom. I, I just love the action. Yeah. But the, the acting was, and was having, not great. No. Nah, but having, oh, Flip, was the Asian guy the, the blind one? Yeah. The guy that plays him? Yeah. Uh, I don't What's know his name. His, I don't know his Ip Man. Yeah. It's Ip Man. <laughs> Whatever Ip Man is. Yeah, it was dope having him in there. But uh, Keanu Reeves isn't really known for being a good actor, though, is he? No, <laughs> no, he's like known for just being a philanthropist, like just yeah. a good person off camera. Yeah, yeah, and he gets quite typecasted. Yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I ha- I haven't seen the jo- I've seen John Wick one, but I haven't seen the others. But to me, it kind of feels like Rambo. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of just where the Rambo, same movie repeated over and over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you know, Rambo has a place in my heart because it's just it's Rambo. Yeah, and so I guess that's a John Wick for a lot of people. It's just yeah. like. That's their Rambo. Well, yeah, that's like me with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the worst actor, but I love all his movies. Yeah. Yeah. The worst mm. hit, out of all his like great hits back then, the worst one by far is True Lies. <gasps> no, don't you dare. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> You're fired. That's got Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> in it. Fired. Yeah. The Jamie chicken. Lee Curtis is the only good thing about that movie because yeah. she's just the best actress ever. She's so funny. But she's the chick who was in that movie, Everything, yeah, yeah. Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. But yeah, this... The like the unnecessary, the unnecessary like cheating thing in the middle. Of, it just uh, it was awesome. Is yeah. is True Lies the one where he's like your luggage as well? Oh, in the crocodile sure. scene, I'm not sure if it's True uh, Lies. No, or, I don't. I don't think so. Don't know. Either way, Commando's the go. No, but Predator. Predator all the way. On the on this note, while we're on this, who do you think's a who's the actor that you can't stand? Tom Cruise. Oh, so you need to ask Meg for this because she's got like a laundry list of <laughs> can't watch that movie, not watching that movie. It's got him, it's got him, it's got him. Uh, yeah, Tom really Cruise. Good question. Oh, I have to think about this one. I don't like Ed Norton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. His acting style bothers me. All I can hear is in Red Dragon, the like third installment of Hannibal, he keeps saying, I just want to save lives. <laughs> and it just pisses me off for no reason. What about him in Fight Club? Uh, no, nah, I don't like Fight Club. It's not ah, my movie. American like History it. X? 
Great movie. That's probably the, his his movie that I like the most. Mm. Either that, and I'm going to get hated on for this, but The Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Ah, Terrible movie, but the, don't care. I was yeah. a kid and I loved it. Mm. The Illusionist? Oh, that was pretty good. Mm. I quite liked it. But it's just kind of overshadowed by um, Prestige. Oh, it's just movie. so much better. Oh, yeah. I Okay, I'm going to start with uh, who I can't stand in movies. The Rock. I was yeah. literally about to say, I'm slowly like, I just it's bro, about drive. It's it. about power. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just can't stand him. He's just got such main character energy where he thinks like all eyes are on him at all times. He's but very that's the character he's that they so cast him cast as. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so typecast. The worst. I, I feel like his laugh is an act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't. That's like what I mean. I feel like everything he does, he does like with intent that he knows yeah. people are watching him. Like, yeah, he's yeah. a monster though. Like the way he. How hard he's churned out movies for like mm. the ten ye- the last ten years, whilst getting more jacked, yeah, <laughs> and more shredded <laughs> at like age fifty, yeah, yeah. There's there's is a that level. How old he is? Mm. He's like fifty. Yeah. Wow. There's a level of respect there that that I have, but his movies suck for and sure. And he's natty too, which is oh, <laughs> absolutely honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I the Jumanji that. movies are good, yeah. But, but he always just wait, plays some hang guy on. in the jungle. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you just? No way. <laughs> They're so funny. What a disservice. What a disservice to Jack Black. And Jack Black's so good. He's the best character in those movies. Yeah. Come on, he's so funny. Jack Black's yeah. He's a man. I love Jack Black. (laughs) Mm. Like um I saw I saw a meme the other day and it was like perfect about the rock. It's like uh, the Rock's the kind of guy to like once he's finished doing a set, he'll like stand around, like pull a face, <laughs> <That's> like, <definitely laughs> like wipe his sweat, but wipe his sweat with his shirt so and tensing his abs because he knows people are watching <laughs> him. I'm like, that's <coughs> exactly who The Rock is. Yeah. Mm. Man, if, so I, if I was The Rock, I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> Let's be real. I haven't, I haven't seen Black Adam. No, nah. I haven't seen it either. Have you? Yes. Yeah, it's. It was made five years too late. Like, if you watched it, you're like, oh, th- this looks like a movie that came out in 2015 yeah. in terms okay. of superhero movies. But it Is was he like, a superhero or a villain? He's sort of both. He's like an anti-hero. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. Hancock? Yes. Yeah, yeah very much Have like you guys Hancock. seen Brightburn? No. That's a really good, like, villain movie you should watch. It Wait, is this The Rock or is this just... No, this is like a superhero one, but it's kind of like if Superman was to be a villain yeah. instead oh. of a good guy. I, wa- oh, I watched that. Brightburn with the kid. Yes, yeah. and it's red. It's yes. He's red. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Real good. I obviously ran out of choices on a long-haul flight sometime in the last two years, and I watched Rampage. With the... With the rock? Oh, with the yeah. Gorilla yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. based on a video game, and I actually used to play the video game on Sega, and it was fucking terrible. <laughs> I think Such I've a seen bad it, but movie. I can't remember. That and the other one... Um, San Andreas. San Andreas. Oh, God. <laughs> the one thing I do appreciate about uh, the rock movies, though, they're like background noise. So if you don't know what to watch, you can just chuck on a rock. It's white yeah. noise. Yeah. 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 You can zone out. You can fall asleep, wake up again. Anyway, welcome back to the, <laughs> z- <laughs> the Zero Movie Podcast. <laughs> uh, CJ, what are you grateful for, brother? I'm going to play the stereotype. I'm grateful for the car community. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. This weekend, um, I went and bought coilovers for my car up in Brisbane. Found some guy in Marketplace. I was selling these ones that were like pretty much new and saved like 500 bucks and buying them brand new. And while I was up there, that well, which is why I trained up in Brizzy, went up there, bought the coilovers and bought um, something else off someone else up there. Um, just like brackets for the car. Anyway, 
I like just made friends. I just went up there and just befriended these guys and they were like, I kind of intentionally wanted to make friends in the car community to just to like get inspiration for what to do to my car. And if I could get help and whatnot, it's always handy to have. And like everyone that I met is like been so like friendly. It's like in powerlifting, like when you share this thing that you do together, you, you just, there's just connection point and then you just get along. And yeah, the first guy that I, well, I got the coilovers for that is suspension. Um, was Philo. <laughs> so immediately I was like, hey, you're Philo. And then we just became friends straight away. And yeah, it was really cool. Like the advice that they were willing to talk about and they were showing me, showing me stuff on their car and giving me inspiration what to do with mine and offering free help and, you know, wanting to hang out and whatnot. So it was, yeah, pretty dope. Nice. Bridget. Um, I'm grateful for my car. I nearly slid out in the rain. Well, I did slide out in the rain. The other night, and now my wheel alignment's all messed up, but I didn't oh. crash, so... Wait, you you didn't hit anything? No, no, I was coming onto um, Smith Street. Are your tyres bald or something? The or front ones there? are, uh-huh. yeah. Bit of but I'm just grateful <laughs> I didn't crash. I'm grateful well. I still have a car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, um, i got to go get that sorted, but... And your alignment's out from doing Yeah, that. the whole way home, I was like, the steering wheel was like going like this and I was having to like hold on to it. Oh, so wow. I reckon Bridget was just driving. Like <laughs> 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 oh, just shaking from the adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> my wheel alignment's out. Uh, <laughs> must yeah, be my wheel alignment. Water planing is the scariest thing yeah, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you get yes. a bit too low, uh, too close to the solid white line and you're just like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hate it. What are you grateful for, Tom, bro? I'm grateful for love. Ooh. I feel like <laughs> feel like I've got a lot, of, a lot of love in my life. I feel like I got a lot of people around me that uh, love me that I love, and uh, just makes makes the world go round. Just that's so nice. A really happy spot right now. I feel that. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for. Um, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful. I had a good weekend. I had some car issues, but they weren't <laughs> as uh, bad. I saw the photo. What happened? Oh, long story. Doesn't matter. But fucking, they're fixed. They're okay. fixed now. And it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't as bad as I've had a really bad run with cars. <laughs> so I'm super grateful for that. Uh, and you're gonna have anxiety every time you go to start it for another <laughs> for another month. Though, <laughs> please, 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 please. <laughs> and um, I'm grateful for. I had some friends down from Sydney. All the boys. We got our little run crew that raced in the weekend. I didn't run, but um, I just went down to support them, and it was a. Uh, Pretty cool to see the boys move like lightning. Uh, yeah, it was really cool just to see my friends from Sydney and nice. our crew come together. What was the race? It was just a local GC run fest. So it was 21K, pretty hard course. Uh, lots of elevation. Well, not much, 250 meters elevation, but that's a fucking nightmare when you're trying to, because a 21K race, you're trying to move fast. Mm. Um, that sounds silly, but yeah, you're trying to move fast. So when you've got 250 meters of elevation, that, that can kick their ass. So it's not along the coast. It's nah. So it's near my. It was. It's on my ha- uh, street. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So start, starts at sea bus, goes around Rabina a few times. Uh, it's a pretty cool race, but it was. Uh, it's cool. It's always a. Uh, yeah, race is always cool. It's like a powerlifting meet. You leave yeah. feeling fucking, man. Powerlifting's cool. Same with running. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Um. Have you guys got any quotes? Yeah, I'm gonna go first. Go on. My quote is cheesy, uh, but it's uh, Louis Simmons. Ooh. Don't don't have a hundred dollar shoes and a ten cent squat. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheesy as, but I've I've always wanted to hate it, but I've always loved it. Yeah, 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 I feel that. You know, all the gear, no idea kind of thing. 
And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with having good equipment. Like I think back to when I rode BMX and I wasn't that good and I got I spent like every penny that I'd saved for like a year and bought a bike that was what the pros would ride. Like built it myself, bought all the individual parts, put it together and I sucked. And it made me a way better rider because I had good stuff and I felt like I was good. So I pushed harder. So I think there's something to it. But at the same time, I like the quote. I like that quote too, but I, there's a part of me that doesn't because that's me in every single hobby I uh, take part in. Yeah, but imagine like when you get all your new geese and all your new like your shorts and everything, you feel like a jujitsu roller. What's, yeah. a, what's a jujitsu person called? You can call it a player or a fighter. Or F- yeah, you feel mm. like a fighter. You feel, like, <laughs> you feel like a real fighter. So you probably go a bit harder. You probably try a bit harder. You try and master it. You're like, I look the part. Now I got to be the part. I yeah. reckon there's something to it. Yeah, there definitely right. is. Well, even it's something as simple as getting a new gym outfit. You come in and you train better when you're confident and, you know, when you're feeling good. Yeah, when I have a my 400th new zero shirt, <laughs> I feel way better. Yes. <laughs> do you know, I thought about this the other day. We get so hyped about a new zero shirt. We're like, oh, yes. I, I actually do. <laughs> Me too. And I'm like, this is about the 400th one I've had in, <laughs> yeah. in five years. And I, I only, and I very rarely buy new shorts, but when I do, I'm really feeling myself. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Mm. How my legs look today. <laughs> sure. Uh, what's your quote, CJ? Is that what you're Googling right now, brother? Yes. No, no. I don't know. I don't, no, <laughs> no, no, as soon as you said- His quote uh, is himself. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. As soon as CJ. you said Arnold, I can't stop thinking hasta la vista. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that'll be my quote. <laughs> what's your co- quote, Bridget? Um, I know that you said I wasn't allowed to do <laughs> them anymore. <laughs> But today's a very special day. It's the 26th of April, which is Alien Day. Nice. And so this is um, one from the original movie. So it's maybe I should have left him outside. Maybe I've jeopardized the rest of us, but it was a risk I was willing to take. Nice. That's Ash. Nice. After they've just left, let the face hugger inside. It's the <laughs> best. <laughs> I'm going to watch it tonight. No, nerd, nerd, nerd. <laughs> I, I need to watch it because I've never seen it. Oh, so good. Uh, so good. All right. Mine's... Uh, you know, after my car issues, I've got a lot to be grateful for. Um, this is this is a Tony Robbins quote. When you are grateful, fear disappears and abundance appears. Nice. Mm. That's so true. Now mm. say it in his voice. I don't even know how to do his voice. You do it. I don't really know. Isn't I don't it really deep? Isn't really he about 10 no, feet tall yeah. as well? Well, it's a bit raspy these days. Mm. Uh. When you're cool. grateful. <laughs> I don't even know. That's actually good. Gail and David used to like, I think they still do, like, follow all of his stuff. They get up at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and do, like, his, his yeah, they online love it. stuff. Yeah. Tony Robbins, Jack Black, Shallow Hell. What a great film. It's, oh, yeah. It's Tony Robbins and Shallow Hell. Yeah, he's the one that makes Jack Black see people for who they yeah, are. Yeah, that's right. He, sh- he shakes his hands and he, like, puts, a like, a curse on him kind of that's thing. That's right. That's so good. I always got it confused with Yes Man. Because yes, man, it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah, similar. Mm. Yeah, Jim Carrey on that one. That's a great movie too. Mm. All right, so um, <laughs> where he tapes his face up. That's so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we've uh, it's been brought to our attention that uh, we've been kind of straying away from powerlifting topics, so we're trying to uh, get back on board because this is a powerlifting podcast. <laughs> we are all powerlifting coaches. Well, CJ, no, we're not. <laughs> You're just the powerlifting guy. Yeah. You're the powerlifting content guy. Um, Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it's do you it. people have trained him to bark nonstop. <laughs> Sorry. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Turned my dog into a menace. <laughs> uh, and we love him. Uh, all right. So I've got a few topics today that I want to talk about. Uh, this. So the first thing is how to get athletes to buy into your system of coaching and how to deal with athletes who are resistant to change. Now, Tom, bro, you've Hi. been, how long have you been a powerlifting coach for? Ten and a half years. And ever since I've known you, you've had a really, uh, your system has been really solidified mm. and you've never really strayed away too far from your system. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think of other coaches, there's lots of coaches who, you know, they like to pick pieces out of other systems and their system or their model is always changing. How have you managed to stay so consistent over time and get athletes to buy into your system? I, I would say that, the system has definitely changed and evolved and changed and evolved a lot over the years. But the thing that's been consistent has been the confidence in the system at any given time. And I've been thinking about this a bit lately. Like, you know, as a coach, uh, right now, I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you believe that you need to change everything about the way that you coach? Nope. No, you're confident in what you're doing right now. And so, like... If you're a coach listening to this and you're like, okay, well, or, or you think about these questions, is your system the best? Is your method the best? If the answer is no, then you're doing your clients a disservice because you need to be using a di- different system. And if you're like, well, it's not the best, but I'm learning and I'm growing, are you actively actually doing that? And if you are, all good. Uh, but you have to consistently check yourself. And what you need to do is basically be, I'm 100% confident in what I'm doing right now and what I don't know about what I'm doing, I need to go and learn about that. And that confidence, when you present it to a client, when you present it to a lifter, is is palpable. Like that comes across. People are going to believe you. And confidence will come from experience. And uh, again, that, that becomes very evident because you can't bullshit your way through that. If you can justify everything you're doing, you're all good. Mm. just push forward and I, I think that's really what it comes down to like now that i'm uh you know the business guy i realize that all of that is just sales it's just like i'm selling you my system you're, you're a lifter in front of me i'm selling you the idea that you should listen to me that i have the keys that you need to get to where you want to go uh and if you're confident in sales people will buy from you and I, like it, when that dawned on me, because I've always been really scared of sales. Like when I first started doing coach development sales calls, I sucked at them so bad. I just talked myself out of them or talked the client out of buying from me. So I had no, what, no idea what I was doing. And then when I realized if I just talk confidently about what I'm talking about, people eat it up. And I realized well, that's what I do. Like why should a guy like Andrew Cooper work, walk in here and be like, why am I listening to you? You bench 180 and I bench 280. Like, what have you got to offer me? And I've always been good at convincing lifters that they should be listening to me. And I've always gone into it with confidence. And that confidence has not only sold the lifter on the method, but also produced the result. Um, So I think a a really big part of it is you just have to be super confident in what you're presenting. Like you said, your your system has evolved over the years. One thing I, uh, even though your system has evolved and has changed, what I notice is the principles have still always remained the same. Mm. Um, I don't know if you get, do you get what I mean by saying that? Like you've still got the, your justifications and your reasoning as to why you program a certain way or you coach a certain way has always remained the same, but the system itself has evolved. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
like a, that, sorry, that makes sense in my head. I don't know. No, if no, that no makes it definitely sense. makes sense. Complete sense. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, but, but I would go. I'd step back a little bit further because it's like the understanding of principles has deepened over the years. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was right, even when you joined, you know, five, six, whenever it was years ago, what I thought was right now I think differently about. But parts of it I think stronger, and parts of it I've kind of thrown away. Uh, but it's always been a case of like, what are the underlying beliefs? And then how does that manifest when you've got someone in front of you? Mm. But yeah, and, and like it can be tricky um, when you're a new coach, especially when you get know-it-alls that are like, you're like, say, oh, do this. Oh, but so-and-so says, so says do this. Because you might not have something to come back, come back at it with. Uh, and that's, I mean, that is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a great thing because it makes you have to try and justify your position and then really question, do I actually believe what I believe? Do I need to change what I believe? Do I need to change how I practice what I believe? Um, it also makes you really good at communication because you have to have hard conversations with people if you're trying to get an idea across. Yeah. What you can also do as well is something that we've all done as well uh, with some of our athletes is um, you also have to lean into, buy into a little bit of their beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. So if you can add a little bit of their beliefs into your system, it's going to make things a whole lot easier. It's going to make the relationship a little bit, uh, the, it's going to make the coaching client relationship a little bit, uh, you know, it's just going to work a little bit better. That's mm. what I was going to say, like empathizing with people because usually if people don't want to change something, it's because it's from fear or uncertainty. For sure. Mm. Like sure. um, and playing the hard coach role there, like the militant. No, I'm the coach. I'm the boss. You do what I say, um, is is not helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit different now because the people that I work with are just like I'm going to do what you say. They're athletes, uh, but certainly along the way, I've worked with a lot of people that aren't like that. And you're 100 percent right. Mm-hmm. You just have to be like, okay, this person really believes that they have to train like this to get a result. Here's what I know and believe to be the truth. How can I meet the two in the middle so that if we play a little bit into what they believe, it doesn't actually hurt them at all. Um, And in the background, I can actually make them stronger. And then as they build trust and rapport in my method, I can say, look, we're going to get rid of that stuff. We're going to lean more into this stuff. Like I think of one particular client, I'm not going to name names. He's been with zero forever, but at the start he was like, uh, I, I, I programmed for him is very unique case. I won't get too deep into it, but I program. I sent him the program and when, within a week, he's like, I hate this. It's not going to work for me. I'm an angry sort of person. I need to lift heavy. He basically wanted to max out every session. And it really challenged, because normally in those circumstances, I was getting, it was in my coaching life where I might've been a little bit arrogant and wanted to say something like, look, do you want to learn from me or do you want to do your own thing? Like, what is it? And I was like, no, can't do that. It's not who I am in my nature. So I'm like, if I let him do what he wants to do and then program my way with it, does that change anything? Because if he leaves right now, he's going to do that anyway. So it's like, let him do what he wants to do, program my way along with it. As he starts to get better, he'll trust me more. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. And now he's been like one of the longest serving clients that we've got. It's um, it's really funny because you're talking about how like some coaches are very militant in their approach. You have to do this. No, that was shit. Don't do that. You're only meant to do this. You misloaded or whatever. Um, but you got to, you know, you zoom out a little bit and you think, does it really actually matter that much? Mm. If there, you know, if there's going to be little minute changes to the program or to what they're doing, as long as uh, like the overall, like as long as they're adhering to the overall structure of the program, I think that's, uh, that's what matters the most. Yeah, it's relationship building, especially, mm. especially at the start. 
especially at the start. And if, if this is a consistent problem for you, like if you're consistently getting blowback from clients, it just means you're not selling your method very well. You're not providing enough justification. You're not, you're not giving enough to the point where they're like, I should listen. I should do this. Uh, which is why within person coaching, at least, I've always started with a really comprehensive technique session that is pretty educational heavy so they're like, okay, this guy's the guy. Well, I think that's um because that's something that's what we do here at Zero is our technique assessment sessions. And audit, like you just said, I feel like that's the buy-in straight away. Once I can get someone into a technique assessment session, they're blown away by that. And I was like, sweet, I want coaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've put full faith into you in that technique session because they've seen the changes that it's made in their squat bench deadlift, the way they move through some of the stability and mobility exercise that we do as well, that they've already, uh, you know, they've already put all the eggs in the bus and like, oh man these guys know what they're doing i feel so much better squatting benching deadlifting i feel more confident in my technique i feel more confident in my approach to how i mm. do these lifts that yeah that's just that's the that's the start of a really good foundation right there um and i think that's what we do better than a lot of coaching uh businesses or companies whatever you want to call it for sure what about you cj okay if someone's if someone's sitting in the chair and they're like no don't do that why are you doing that why are you using that tool um, have you ever had that and if not um, like if I'm sitting there and I'm like nah don't use that start with this and do it this way you'd be like who's the barber here <laughs> <laughs> no I've, I, I've never had that um, but I guess in terms of uh, like here like I'm not a coach so it's I don't really have I can't really speak on the whole um, selling not even selling the product, but the relational thing. But for me as a consumer, I think about the product and how good it is. Because for me, it was, it was like, oh, of course, I've got a bias. But as soon as I started training at zero, my results just went insane. And like from being just a kid that like walked into a gym and would like ask around and do whatever to now having just guidance. And I know you guys have talked about before, like, you know, the, the biggest advice you give someone is to get a coach because – the coach knows, I don't even want to call it shortcuts, but the best route to take and, and to, you know, to get the results. And I feel like since I've started coming to zero, the people that I used to train with back in the day before I, you know, did powerlifting, I've kind of in a way surpassed all of them. And I know it sounds cocky, but it's not because I'm special or anything. It's just because I got coaching. It's Mm. purely just because of that. And it's so hard. Like, I'm not the coach trying to sell the product, but I'm more a consumer trying to go, you need to do this as well. Like I wish everyone would do do this. And I, uh, yeah, I reckon that's the buy and it's the technique sesh. I, I, like I can't, it's so hard to just tell someone, you need to come to zero and do a technique sesh. Even if you don't sign up, you got to do it. And it's like, yeah, right. And they never do it. But it's so hard to, even me, like I, I'm not even trying to sell it. I'm almost like, this changed everything for me. This was like the beginning of all my results and um, of everything. Like it, it changed lifting for me. Um, I, I wish, yeah, I think that's the ultimate buy-in in a sense that like once you do it yourself, because you can hear about it. It's all right, a technique sesh. What what could I learn in that? But when you do it, it honestly, it changes lifting for you. Um, and it gives you like a new confidence and it's it's like the biggest jump start into like your lifting journey. So yeah, like from my point of view as a consumer, I, I'm trying to almost kind of sell it as a living testimony. Mm. To be like, this, like this works. Do, like, you, 
Sorry, yeah, you Sorry go. Sorry, off. Do you want to hear something? Now that I think about it, sometimes I'm like, fuck, that's a little bit cringe, but I say it all the time when I'm selling a product or a service to someone, to all my client, uh, online clients or face-to-face. One thing I always say is I always get results. And it's true. If we didn't get results, people wouldn't come to us for coaching. Mm. But it's like, you're coming to us, our methods are, you know, they're proven. We've got a really good track r- record of a... Uh, lifters that have got really good results mm. and um we've got a really solid system in place so that's setting everyone up to get results mm. i know it sounds fucking stupid but no, no it so doesn't true. at all i do the same thing like uh when i'm talking to people like coops or dylan or joseph or whatever if i'm doing a technique session with someone like that someone who's strong and knows they're strong and maybe they're not completely bought in just yet like i'm still actually selling coaching they're just having a little taste of it it's kind of the the line that I've used the most probably over the last 10 years uh, in terms of like selling the methodology is like, what do you bench? Oh, 280. You know what's way cooler than 280? 300. You know what's even better than 300? 310. You know, that's, what, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for those numbers. You can keep your 280 if you want, but I'm here for the big numbers because they need to know that you're on the same page as them. And that it's, an, it's a conversation that I have with a lot of lifters, especially when lifters are getting down in the dumps or whatever, I remind them, hey, we're on the same team. My goal is the same as yours to get you as absolutely strong as possible. Coming back to like the actual question, um, how do you develop that that trust and that buy-in, especially if people are questioning it? If, if people come to you with questions, are like, why are we doing it this way? I heard about this or whatever. Always fire questions back at them. Always be like, oh, what do you know about that? Why would we do it that way? Why do you think um, they use that and we use this? Like try and find out where, they, where they're coming from. Some people are genuinely like, oh, I've noticed like they're new to it or they're, new, they're being newly exposed to other methods. They're like, oh, I've noticed you, Zero seems to use a lot of numbers and these people seem to use a lot of RPE. Why is that? Some people might be like, ask, you know when people know what their answer is, but they ask the question to you almost to test you. Mm. They're not being malicious about it, but they already have something. You want to find that out first so you can talk on the same level. Otherwise, if you're talking on different levels, you'll clash in opinion and you'll never, you'll never get to the heart of why they're actually asking what they're asking and you'll end up having different conversations. And that's a good way to slowly like sever and separate relationships and coaching. Um, one thing that's really uh, popular in our, in our industry is uh, it's, it happens in every industry, but people talking in absolutes. And one conversation you hear a million times is RPE versus percentage-based training. Mm. And they've, it's always the same thing whenever you're on a podcast. The reason why RPE is better is, what if you had a bad day at work and you walk into the gym, you're not feeling good, uh, so and you see a number. Didn't, that's, it's the yeah. same conversation every single fucking time. Yeah. Um, the best thing about RPE versus percentage is that the pros of one are the cons of the other. Mm. Like they're both great. They're both fantastic. And at Zero, we we use both. I use RPEs a lot in uh, peaking phases. Uh, Jamie, I know, is a big fan of using RPE-driven programs. Like, we've got we've got um, the structures and supports to use both. I prefer fixed numbers. I've taught all of you guys with fixed numbers, so a lot of you guys lean into the fixed numbers as well. All it comes down to is how well do you know how to drive that vehicle? Mm. You know how to drive it really well. You'll get results. Because at the end of the day, we're just lifting weights. Mm. As in... RPE percentage, every lift you do has an RPE and a percentage. Doesn't yeah. matter. It, does, it doesn't actually change that much. Yeah, we've spoken about it before, but like, you know, the same crowd that harp on about how RPE is a million times better. Then once they've done their squat bench, they go to accessories. 
And then it's, uh, you know, they progress. They It's micro progressions week to week. Mm. So it's like, so you're, you know, so it's like a percentage-based progression. It's like, all right, I hit 42 this week. Next week, I'm going to go 45. I'm like, this is the exact thing that you spoke shit about on. Uh, <laughs> well, the, exactly that. Mm. Like, you, you can't do RPE-based programming without using percentages. And you can't use exclusively percentage-based programming without u- using RPEs. As in, like, if you have an indicator set, what do you do? You do your indicator set, that works out your daily max, and then you program backwards using a percentage or close enough to a percentage or a percentage drop. There's percentages involved. And that number that you hit for the indicator set is a percentage of something. And if you use fixed number programming, if you're not feeling good, it's supposed to feel about this hard. That's RPE. Like, you change the number. Oh, I definitely can't hit these numbers today. I better just drop it. That's RPE. Like... We're using both systems consistently, regardless of how diehard you are for one of the other. So don't don't stress too much on it. Do you know what's really weird? I always like to compare uh, powerlifting to other sports. Um, so let's just say for basketball, I'm pretty sure every single team in the NBA trains to win the NBA championship. Mm. You don't go back and blame it on like the coach or the system that you use. It's just like you didn't have the, the desired outcome wasn't there because another team was better. It's the same thing with lifting. It's like, yeah, you want to squat or bench 300 on this day. It might not happen. It doesn't mean it's a direct reflection of the coaching or programming. It's just, it's sport. It's how, it's how it goes. Some days it goes your way. Some days it doesn't. Maybe powerlifting might be, would you say it's a little bit more predictable than other sports? I'd say powerlifting is very predictable if you know what you're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, but I don't know. I just feel like it's just it's just a part of sports. Mm. You have good days, you have bad days. For sure. Not every day you walk in the gym and then can execute everything to a T. But it is what it is. Mm. Um, I got another question for you, Tom, bro. All right, the next one is, this is going to, this, this is about hypertrophy. Why are you struggling, uh, People who are struggling to pack on muscle. Say, try my best over here. Why man. are you struggling, Thomas? Why, why, why do you think uh, people struggle to pack on muscle? A uh, number of things. Why do you think people struggle to pack on muscle? Um, <clears throat> well, obviously, anybody that trains is a lifelong pursuit. Trying to get stronger, trying to get bigger, whatever your uh, whatever outcome you you desire. But um, I feel like not everyone's just doing enough of the right things mm-hmm. like you can come in the gym there's lots of boys in here uh, sorry lots of uh people people in here they come in and train you know they train their asses off in here they work so hard they follow their programs to a t they're doing extras but you know once they get out of here they're not eating they're not sleeping they're not hydrating they're not doing any of the other things mm-hmm. um so it doesn't just come down to what you're doing inside the gym it's also a lot of out- what's happening outside the gym as well for sure, that's a big factor. Uh, like, if we're talking about this question directed at powerlifters specifically, I think one thing powerlifting is really good at teaching us, which is actually a negative when it comes to the pursuit of hypertrophy, is how to stop short. Like, it's not beneficial for us to push deadlift, squat, bench press every weekend, every week, week in, week out, as hard as we can. With hypertrophy, you actually need to do that a little bit more. You need to push harder. You need to train at higher intensity. Like, the, modern hypertrophy program is very much like low volume low sets really hard intensity uh yeah there are different schools of thought around it but one thing that powerlifting again is really good at teaching us to do is just stopping that little bit short and i think there's the tendency to over the years filter that into your accessory work like you're doing bicep curls you don't truly go anywhere near failure Mm. stop a little bit short because that's just 
you're like, okay, I'm getting close to the point where this is getting really hard. That's normally where we stop with a squat bench deadlift. Uh, and uh, that can be that can come at a detriment for um, hypertrophy. The other thing is just like concurrent goals. I think people might go into to training cycles being like, I want to put on a little bit of size and then keep too much emphasis on squat bench deadlift and take away the intensity that they can give to the stuff that's going to drive muscle. And you can maintain your strength on squat bench deadlift and massively reduce the volume. Uh, so you can push way harder on those those other exercises that are going to really drive hypertrophy. Um, and the other thing that you said about being a long game, that's huge. Like a hypertrophy block is not four weeks. How much muscle are you going to... But like, look at Brandon Kempter grinding his ass off for 18 months to put on like 300 grams of muscle. Like mm. That's that's natural bodybuilding at its peak. It's like, if you want to build muscle, you're going to have to put in some fucking work for a, an extended period of time uh, to really see true muscle growth, especially if you're a natural lifter. Uh, it's Putting on muscle is, is not easy. That's it, what I'm trying to explain to a friend of mine at the moment. She's like a complete beginner in the gym and she's been training for three months and she's like, Bridget, I look on Instagram and TikTok and I see these results that these girls get after three months. Why aren't I getting that? And I'm like, because it's not real. <laughs> like, you're not going to grow a big booty and big legs in 12 weeks. Like, yeah. just keep doing it. Yeah. I love it when, you know, that goob page on, on it. I love it when he calls out transformations that are uh, like truly six years and they've put in like my, a 12-week block or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there are. There's a lot of charlatans out there mm. promoting. And they used to do it in... Um, uh, with like pro level bodybuilders for supplement, um, like Lee Priest was really famous for getting really fat in the off season and having photos with buckets of KFC, and then you know marketing a product and saying twelve weeks later and showing a bodybuilding chart, crazy. Um, but yeah, putting on muscle is hard. Yeah, mm. like you said before, it's like a little bit of a paralysis by analysis. Mm. You like stunt your own progress by almost knowing too much. Uh, once you fall into the powerlifting world, you know, you start understanding your RPEs and, you know, like you said, uh, to drive hypertrophy requires really hard work. And I heard someone say something. It wasn't at this gym. It was at another gym. And it was really fucking funny. And he goes, um, we were training together. And I said, oh, you could have done more. And he goes, yeah, but if I did more, that's weeks of accumula uh, fatigue accumulated that's going to fuck me up in the long run. I'm like, mm. bro, you did three sets of eight at, <laughs> <laughs> at 25 kilo dumbbells. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, you're good, brother. <laughs> I, my, my test of intensity is always training in unfamiliar environments with unfamiliar people. And I, like, I might know the person really well, but I don't ever train with them. So like two instances I, I can think of, I did a leg session with um with benny at, at southside maybe like a year ago or something benny trains hard like he trains 10 out of 10 all the time and where i would normally stop on the leg press by myself with him standing there i was like i'll stop now benny's there <laughs> and like you end up getting like another eight reps or something like that mm. you're like okay i can actually do this all the time and then you try and make yourself do it later and mm. or another one when i was in scotland for those um workshops I was just training with with Robbie, the guy that um, hooked me up over there. And he was doing, I can't remember what it's called. It's like this breathing thing. You do uh, you do a set and then you have a 30-second rest and then you get back on and then you do like, um, I think you're allowed to do three to five reps and then you have to take three breaths and then three, and you just keep going until you can't get that three to five reps. And I would have given up way before I did if he wasn't standing right there. 
Like, you know when people say, oh, I can't walk down the stairs after work. <laughs> I've never experienced that. It was like that. <laughs> I couldn't get back up the stairs. <laughs> like, oh. it's like, okay, this is what training's meant to feel like. Mm. When you look at, uh, like, Benny, when you look at those boys at Southside, like, who, who's the most jacked there? Like, Daniel, yeah. Benny, all those boys. Yeah. And who trains, like, absolute fucking maniacs there? Daniel, Benny, <laughs> all those boys. It's the same thing here. Like, when I think of someone who's really jacked here, I think Eli Sliderink. And he trains like a fucking maniac as well. Mm. They all train so hard. They push their accessories so hard. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think effort is a, effort trumps all. Yeah, I know. It's it's annoying because it's kind of, kind of, it's becoming kind of cool to say just like, oh, shut up and train hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's definitely the modern problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like absolutely the modern problem. Mm. F- phones are the, the fucking killer of this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard though because like, uh, a gym like ours, it's, you know, I guess you could say it's like semi-private or whatever. It's smaller. It's more intimate. So people mm. come out here to hang out as well. So it's a lot more of a social environment. Mm-hmm. You go to like a world's gym, like there's lots of fucking jacked people in a world's gym. But mm. it doesn't have this, it's not like a, it's not as intimate the setting. People go there, they want to get in and out. Mm. So, you know, uh, people there do train harder because they're there for a shorter amount of time, I guess, than people here to an extent. I kind of like... Just thinking on it now, I think back to when I started training when I was like a teenager and so there's so many subtle differences that don't really pop up to mind. Like, yeah, sure, we didn't really carry around cell phones and, and people who did have cell phones, you weren't doing, like they weren't smartphones, so you, you weren't on social media at all. Uh, and even just like headphones and music, like it, it was less accessible, less accessible. You maybe had an MP3 player with like earbuds but everyone has their phone and uh, headphones and like there's so many distractions. I just like, I've never ever in my life trained with headphones. And I think back then all that you had to distract you between sets, between like old guys talking to you was what's the music channel, not MTV. The other one, juice, juice, (laughs) juice was always on. (laughs) It was just like juice with like Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift when they were teenagers as well. Pretty much. And so you'd listen to a little bit of a song and be like, well, well, going to go again. <laughs> my set. You know, before I started training at zero, my sessions would go for an hour max. Like mm. if I was there for 60 minutes, that was a long session. And when I started coming to train at zero, like I remember my ex would be like, oh, how long are you going to be? Like, oh, three, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was uh yeah, like like I said, there's differences. Uh, the environmental differences definitely make a difference as well. Um, anyone else want to add anything onto that? I oh. can't remember what the original question. Yeah, was. same. Why are you struggling to pack on muscle? Oh. You're not taking enough steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and packing on muscle is just hard. Mm. I, I think that also works on the flip side, like what you were saying, how hard it is to put on muscle. Like you know, Brandon came to like he trains like an absolute like monster mm. <laughs> and you know putting on 300 grams like i know we've talked about this before but like you know when girls say they're too scared to train because they don't want to get bulky and it's like this is exactly <laughs> for how hard it is to put on muscle mm. it's so slow and such a long process that they talk about it like it's going to sneak up on them like they're going <laughs> to do a session like i knew this would happen <laughs> i knew it this is what i said you know it's like you know you're going to see it coming if you do see it coming like this this is very hard to do. <laughs> and there's genetic differences as well. Mm. Like some people are just more jacks than other people. Mm. 
I got so many mates that play footy that I played footy with that are fucking jacked out of their brains. Yeah. You know, they'll hit the gym for three months in the off season, <laughs> and then during the season they'll go to the gym once a week, and you know do their favorite exercises. Mm. And they're just framed. Yeah. Yeah. Dor- yep. Dorito. Yeah. Um. What's next? I think I think the next one we can wait. Uh, save it for next week. All right. Sweet. Okay. Um. I've got a few questions for you guys. We've got a quiz. <laughs> All right. Always keen for these. This one's a different quiz. This is a powerlifting quiz. Right. You know, we're a powerlifting okay. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> got to redefine that. <laughs> All right. The first question is, who has the highest total? Uh, who has the highest female total in history? And what in Australian history? And what is it? I know this one. Um, you guys get. Oh, Thomas, you're going to answer this last. CJ you, Bridget, you guys say a name. No, nah, CJ goes second. Oh, I don't know. Is it Jen Smith? Uh, can I ask a clue? Is she a current lifter or she she's no long clues. gone? Uh, okay. No clues. I don't know. Just guess. I'm going to say Sarah Rainbow. Yes, seven oh five. Correct. <laughs> I didn't know that was the biggest Aussie total ever. Yeah, yeah I mean they only said it a thousand times. <laughs> okay. We only said it on the podcast last she's week. She's so. I, She's type. a monster, eh? She's so strong. She is so strong. So strong. Um, all right. And who has the highest total male, uh, the highest male total in Australian history? And what is it? Oh, CJ, you too. go first. I know this one. I'm, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say Will Crozier. No. No way. Well, <laughs> I don't know why Sorry, I said it like Will. that, but no, no, no. He's no way. Will, <laughs> what? <laughs> Bridget? I have no idea. It's not. Um, Was he? A, oh, okay. No. I'll, Wait, are they, are they still it. lifting now? Oh. Yeah, I was going to ask that. They had stopped for a long time, but they've been posting lifting videos oh. in the last week. Really? Yeah. But they haven't. Oh, so they haven't. Com- they didn't compete a Maybe a comeback oh, on the No, cards. I don't know. He's okay. the king. No I don't know then. Have you yeah. met him? No, nah, I haven't. Oh, very nice guy. Yeah, Odell. Odell Manuel, uh, big Odell. O. Is played, he Aussie? Uh, yeah. Well, he played for the Warriors. Yeah. So he's a, he's a right. Kiwi that lives in Australia. So, so what's his what's his numbers? I, I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's 11-15. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Wow. So, so total, bro, and he played wing for the New Zealand Warriors yeah, in the rugby league, in the NRL. So, so yeah, what, yeah what, what's his numbers in total? Like, what's squat bench? I think the squat is 470, bench 270, and, and <laughs> deadlift like 400. I just saw CJ's face when you said 470. <laughs> That's fucked up. I thought Gwaine had a big squat. Mm. What's his oh, 455? Well, actually, his best deadlift is 400 in comp, but the when he did the total, I think he it was he only got his opener. Yeah, right. He's notorious for tearing his calluses and then dropping his second two deadlifts. Notorious. He's yeah, he's the man. It's happened when you're holding on to 400 kilos. Yeah. I was there for it. I was Jeez. there when he tore his bicep. I was there when he first uh, deadlifted 400, first 400 in Australia. What wow. a freak! He is. Hu- oh, that's cool that he's lifting again. Yeah. So yeah, he's been he's posting bench videos the last week. What's his name? Sick. Odell. Odell yeah. Manuel. Yeah. Manual. When did he stop? Odell Manuel. His last comp was Big Dogs. Yeah. Uh, three. Uh, I think was was it three or four? I don't know if there was a four. Was there a four? Fuck. I think, yeah. It was the big the, dogs. The last big dogs. Peter Petras one. I yeah. love that mm. name. Uh, that's, the cool, that's the coolest name for a compo. Yeah, big dogs. All right. <clears throat> Who is the highest? Uh, what is the biggest total in Australian history uh, by a junior? We'll start with males. What's the oh. uh, can I? I know this. 
Go Is on, it Bridget. Theo? No. Ah, nope. oh, no way. No, he's got the he's got the biggest teen total in the world ever. Yeah. Uh, but Junior has gone higher. Wow. Mm. CJ. Uh, ju- okay. So it's not Theo. No. Um. Sorry. Just <laughs> the place. Um. Oh gosh, if it's not Theo, then I. I honestly, he's my only guess. I'd be embarrassed if I didn't know this. Go on, Tom, bro. Dylan Hellriegel. Correct. Dylan Hellriegel did 11.05. I was going to say him for the Junior. biggest male. He was 23 he was, when he, he did that, bro. when he did it. Yeah. Because that's who I was going to guess for the biggest male total. That's how, Yeah, well, close. That's, yeah. Who, that's how I knew Odell was 11.15 because we were chasing that. Oh, see, I thought I, w- I, I might have got you with that one. Because I thought you might have forgot he was a junior then. How fucked is that? He totaled. So he was the first person in history to squat over a thousand pounds and deadlift 900 pounds in the same meet. And he was a junior. And he was a junior. And at the time, I say at the time, it might still be, I don't know. um, You'd know if you did it on open powerlifting. It was the biggest junior total ever. Oh, wow. In the world, yeah. Well, it was the biggest total in Australia at the time. And then that same year was uh, Big Dogs. And oh, yeah, that's true. Because uh, Dylan Hellriegel got sick before Big Dogs, literally like a day or two before Big Dogs. Mm. I'm not sure if it was the biggest total in the time. I, th- I thought Odell's had it always. I th- I'm pretty sure we fell short of it. Oh, he, Odell might have had like 11, 11, 15 might be before that, but I can't remember. But I'm th- pretty sure it wasn't the biggest total in Oz at the time. But it, it definitely was in the world, but I get the feeling someone's probably broken it. How how old is um Jesus? Twenty four. Are you so maybe he mm. broke it when he was twenty three. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So the biggest total <laughs> in Australian history by a junior female. I can't believe. See, that. this is the one I'm not hundred percent sure on. <laughs> Just makes me go like, why do I bother trading? <laughs> Honestly, why do I do? Why do I do this? Right. Um, I've got two names in mind, but I'll let you guys want to have a guess. Junior girls. I don't, I don't know. know junior girls. So I know Alana from PTC headquarters. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how to say her her surname. But Diaquano? D- yeah, Queen. That yeah. one. Mm-hmm. She's type one diabetic. I know she's a junior, or at least she what has been a junior recently. So really? I reckon it, I reckon it's her, or potentially Sarah Rainbow. I feel like Sarah's only young as well, but I'm pretty sure she's not junior at the moment. I can't believe they're that mm. young. All right. The answer is Sarah Rainbow. Oh, mm, so, so she, if if you said okay, which one now? are you going to pick? I would have okay. said Alana. Yeah, so I'll t- I'll take the L on that. So Sarah totaled six twelve or six fifteen when she was twenty three. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm pretty sure so I didn't I total that when I was twenty three. <laughs> oh no, man, nah, that's a lie. I totaled seventeen when I was twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> to be precise, smoke Sarah. <laughs> All right, CJ. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Actually, Thomas doesn't even know the answer to this one. <laughs> okay. How many sanctioned competitions has Thomas Lily done? As in he's competing or sorry, sorry, sorry. On, on open power because uh, yeah. half of them are there. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna count in my head while you guys guess. Right, so just according to open power. He's competed in. Yeah. Okay. According to open powerlifting. Just chuck a number out there. Bridget. So he's been coaching for ten years. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he's been lifting for a lot longer than that. You said and, what, Bridget? Fifteen. Incorrect. I don't take <laughs> You didn't let me guess yet. Um, I'm going to... I reckon 
earlier on he was competing a lot. So I reckon we'd, we were around, oh, I'm just going to say around 20. You can't say around. It's 20, 20. Correct. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still counting. <laughs> All right. Wait. How many has he uh, bombed out of? Hang on. I'm, right. up, I'm up to that pro roll. I'm trying I don't to, know. Well, I definitely bombed out of. I know for a fact um, the PA one that will be listed first mm. says I didn't bomb, but I did bomb. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, for some reason they gave me a... I think they just felt sorry for me. <laughs> they felt sorry Yeah, but there's a PA me. comp there that I 100% bombed, but it's there is good. So we won't count okay. that. But I definitely bombed States 2000 and... I'm going to... Okay, 12. I'm going to say f- three. I'm going to say you bombed three comps. Yeah, I said three too. Well, one doesn't count as a bomb because I pulled out. <laughs> so I'm going to say two. Sorry, DQ'd. Oh, what? Really? So the one you pulled out of, was that the Christmas cup? Yeah. Yeah. So I could have deadlifted. It's <laughs> 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 just a little torn. So wow, it's, it's three, three. Yeah, Dang, but what's the third one? No, 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 no. So it's on a technicality, like you said, you pulled out, but technically it still comes up DQ. Well, then I don't know what the other one is. I definitely bomb states 2012, mm-hmm. the PA comp, and then the recent one, not the equipped one. Oh, but you're counting the PA one. Yeah, only because you mentioned it. So it was oh, only okay. two. So yeah. yeah, okay, sweet. Nice. All right. What are my best numbers? In as comp in, or in the gym? As in you? In gym, yeah. Oh, in, in the, the gym. gym. Mm, 140 yeah. bench. Yes. 240 deadlift. Mm-hmm. 250 squat. I think you're 240 s- squat. Th- 615. 615 is your, I think, 615 is your total? No, I, I, don't, I don't actually know what the total was. 240 240. 240 dead, 240 squat, 140 bench. Was the, the squat was a double at 240. Yeah. Yeah. Failed the third. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so sorry, my math is that bad. What is that? 240, 240, 140. 620. 620, 620, not 615. Uh, let's my just bad. call it 630 because he did a double. 630. 630. <laughs> 630. <laughs> Chucking a 10 kilo handicap because it was a double. <laughs> Wait, then, what about comp? I reckon comp. I've only ever done shit in comp. Squat? Did you? Did you end up doing two twenty seven six fifteen at comp squat? I'm gonna guess two twenty seven squat. I'm pretty sure the bench you've never gone over one thirty, and you'd be on open powerlifting, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess two two fifteen for the deadlift. Very close. So remember, I failed my second squat attempt, so I retook it. So I've only squatted two twenty in comp. I've benched one thirty two in comp. And I've deadlifted two seventeen in comp. Was the one thirty? Was that the the one you did here? No. Wait, didn't you do one thirty seven in comp? Nah, I've only ever done that in training. Comps aren't really my thing, bro. So one thirty two, one thirty two is not that far off. All right, thirty two point four. Okay. Um, who is Tom, bro? You don't go first. Who was referred to as the goat in powerlifting? Oh, we're talking novice or regular? Because <laughs> we're uh, novice, Steve Wang. <laughs> World, I'm coming for you, Steve. Worldwide, who's um, the goat? When people say the goat of powerlifting, who do you, who who do you think of? Guys, this is embarrassing. I, if you can, yeah, I literally I can see the guy, and I can't name the, him. Describe him. Short, stocky. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but what's his name? Large hands, yes. really large feet. Oh yes, I've got his name. Go on, Ed Cohen. Correct. Ed Cohen, the goat. All so, right, it's okay, Bridget. You <laughs> you're still new to it. 
All right, where is Josh Takua ranked pound for pound in Australia currently? Well, well, just to confirm, when you say pound for pound, we talking dots? Yeah, dots. Sorry. In Australia? Mm-hmm. Oh. Initially, I want to say like top 10, but I feel like it's probably actually quite a bit lower than that. Because like so many names come to mind that have out-totaled him at similar body weights but in like untested and wrapped divisions. Mm. Oh, sorry, sorry, sleeved raw. Sleeved raw. Yeah. Okay, that would put it way higher then. Yeah. Sleeve raw, I'm going to say... I reckon he's top five. Is he number one? No, you got it right. He's he's number five. Fifth. Yeah. Wow. Who's Num- number one? Uh, Yeti. Oh, of course. Yeah, and then Stephen Day's number two. Okay. What about uh, three and four? Do you remember? I, I can't remember. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So Tombo might... Uh, is that all time or is that current? I guess that's all time too. Yeah, Damn. it would be all time Australian. Good Josh. Yeah. That's, that's cool, great. eh? Um, all right. Joe Whitaker and Kurt Keogh. Am I saying that right, Thomas? Yeah. Kurt Keogh. Keogh. Have both totaled over a thousand kilos at under 140. Which zero lifter has the third highest, highest total in that weight class? None of you are getting this. Not a chance. In that weight so, class. Yeah, oh so I think God. I got this wrong too. I don't know. But Tom, bro, I thought it was Edan Mutter. Nah. So, so what's the question? Uh, Aside from Kurt and Whitaker, yep. who's the next biggest total? For under 140s. For under 140s. Out of zero lifters. Yeah. And then there was a few other. Th- so I got this wrong because Tom, bro, said it isn't uh, Edan Mutter. Bear in mind, I'm thinking all the people I've ever coached. It's not a... While I was coaching them. Mel? No. Nope. Mel Talone? Under 140s. I said Eden Davey. You I'm, said pr- no. I'm pretty sure Mel didn't compete under 140 when I coached him. I think he always went, went um, above. Bigger. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, bless you. And you said it was an international meet? It was an international meet, Australian lifter. I remember this distinctly because it's the only live feed that I've ever watched, like, stayed... Beyond my bedtime to look at. Nathan Jones? No, never coached Nathan. Oh. Um, Great lifter though. 140. He has a beard and a lot of tattoos. Oh. It's 80% of powerlifting. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I don't think he's totaled that much. I was going to say Dave Stearman. Will I will I know it once you say it? Will I be like, oh, how do I not think of that? Or will I not know? Maybe. Reese Keane. Oh! Reese Keane, because we did Big Dogs 3. Big Dogs? No, Big Dogs 1. We did Big Dogs 1 together, and he totaled 950-something because um, he couldn't he, – he hurt his back on his first deadlift, and he missed his second two deadlifts. Uh, and then he went to Russia – to, for redemption, he went and did WRPF Worlds and he totaled 965. Has Reese King gone over 1,000 since then? He's hit 1,000, yes. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, that's my powerlifting trivia. You guys are going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you guys with some more powerlifting trivia. That was, that was fun. Year. That was sick, yeah. yeah. Especially like a newbie, I thought, okay, I'm going to check out. <laughs> but I actually sort of knew... You did good. Two of them. <laughs> the thing that still baffles baffles me is that Dylan Harrigal was only 23 when he totaled I'm that. Crazy. It, oh. That's that's, so that's fucked up. It's just not fair. Mm. Crazy. His, his training's going really good. So we're hoping to do our big com- comeback meet in October at the um, 
at that one strength meet with the big $80,000 prize pool. Let's go. That's what Thor was meant to be. That's what he was aiming for to do his, yeah. his world record, but now he's torn his he peck real bad. Are we going to see the Dylan Hellrigger of old? The what? The Dylan Hellrigger of old. Uh, I hope it's the new Dylan Hellrigger that's much stronger than the old. Yeah. Oh, let's go. That's I'm what excited. I'm hoping for. Let's go. Um, that's, the, that's the next meet that Whitaker will do as well, so it'll be good, good Wh- to see so them hashing it one? out together. This is an orange, New South oh Wales. Oh, my goodness, orange. Mm. Yes. Yeah, one strength. It's in, cool. in, like, in Australia? Mm. Yes. Okay. So I know Dan competed in orange in America. Is it orange? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. Uh, orange um, Orange Beach, Florida. Orange Beach. Yeah. All right, that's us. Sweet. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.